0: Uh, If you don't know me, my name's Dave, one of the pastors here, enjoying Father's Day. We do Father's Day on Saturday because we're usually here at church early on Sundays for events and stuff, so got to celebrate, but you want to hear a weird thing that happened to me on Thursday? Does anyone want to? Because Thursday was weird for me, okay? So I'm driving to school, I'm about to pick up the kids from school, and I had to get in Jess's car because she was behind my car, Um, and I, I, I turned on the key and the music was ready to go. You know how like she left the radio on last time because it's her car? And now cars are a place of silence, right? Like you just go in there to get away from the world, is that right everyone? You don't go there to sing, you don't go there to listen to music, you go there to disappear. And a rift started and James is going to help me for a second. Okay, the weirdest thing happened. Getting in the car, just about to get silence, about to push the button to turn it off. So, I don't know, we'll, we'll just uh, check if Benny's got some volume on their guitar, yeah? Okay, so i get in the car, I'm about to turn it off, and this happens. <laughs> oh, well, not that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Keep doing They've got to get in the mode for it. Okay. Thank you, James. Now, hey, do you go. guys know what song's about to erupt? Right? So that riff starts, Tracy Chapman starts singing at me. Fast car. I don't quite know what the lyrics are because I can never follow the lyrics. But I just, now you can't tease me until I get through the end of the story. I just started like crying and weeping. Now I'm not that guy, okay? We know people who are that guy. We know pastors who are that guy. Don't be right, right? We you know pastors. You know, we, but I'm not that guy, Anyway, I'm driving and I start losing my junk, crying crazy man, just like tears coming out of your face, you know how you sometimes crying and they stay in your eyes, and I'm like, what? what's going on here? Couldn't figure myself out. Composed myself, um, she finished singing, i like, I wonder if that's going to happen again. So I quickly got out my Apple um, phone, and they just put Tracy Chapman, Fast car and did it again and it happened again. This <laughs> is a weird reaction to a song. And what, I, after I kind of like stopped and thought about it and prayed about it, what had happened is that song had teleported me back to a time in my life. You know how music can do this? How you hear a song and all of a sudden it's like you're there. And it was 1998. And at that point, I was living on Long Island in the Wit Sundays. Okay, I moved out when I was 17. Um, up to the Whitsundays, and I was working in the resorts up there. Now, if you Google the resorts now, they're all decrepit and run down. But back then, in the late 90s, that was the place to go. It was before people really started going to Bali and everything. It was, it was awesome. And I still remember. So this song took me back to this time where I am sitting around in a circle and there's ten of us on the beach at Long Island. And it was one of those days that was perfect. You know those ones where it's high tide? and it's dead still and the sun was setting over the ocean and I was there with like, you know, people that I really cared for and we were having, cause those days, giant cocktails were the thing as well, the late 90s and we're having them and, and this song was playing. And I can, I, it was like it was yesterday and I was like, why am I crying about this? And, and I can remember sitting there and Hudson was there and Marnie and Miles and Claire and Hamish And the other cool lady that I can't remember her name, which is frustrating. Um, We were just sitting there, and it was an epic time to be alive. You know, like that's that was an I was eighteen, right? Imagine living that life. And social media didn't exist yet, so you could be a lunatic, and there was no digital record of that. And we gave lunacy a good nudge, right? And we had good music, not like all your loser generation music. Like we had good music. And and I worked in a pool bar. Now, imagine this for an 18-year-old dude, okay? I worked in a bar that's in a pool, and literally people swam up in their bikinis and stuff and sat on the chairs and ordered drinks. You're like 18. Why do I get paid to do this, right? And then I got promoted to be an activities coordinator, right? I don't know if you've ever seen one of those where you literally get paid to muck around with the guests. Like just to walk around, play volleyball, take people snorkeling, host these cheese platter and champ- champagne welcome kind of things for everyone who turns up the island. A host of trivia nights, hung out with people on the beach, had coffee with people. It was basically like being a pastor, right? <laughs> so why was I wasn't crying? And after it, I was praying into it, and I thought, this is about as good as life gets, but God wasn't there. I hadn't met Jesus yet. So he was there as in his omnipresence, as in God is everywhere, he was there, but he wasn't here. And it was probably one of my fondest memories in my life, yet when I got taken back there with uh, this song, all I could think was what I was missing out on. I didn't have the presence of God. And now that I'm in love with God and he's set me free from the yuckiness of my past and the hard stuff of last year and the brokenness of years gone by, everything else, it just can't satisfy anymore. Like that's the sort of thing that satisfies an 18 year old guy, but it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't there. And so it was epic, but it wasn't satisfying. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't complete me. You know, like Augustine, like your, your soul is in anguish until you find God. It's not until you meet with God that all of that stuff makes sense. See, God's not about, he, he, His plan for you isn't to do away with your life. It's to fulfill your life and to complete your life and to show you a way to live that in a way that transcends experience, transcends hardship, even transcends good things. Like you said on Father's Day, it's a bit tricky because it can be a hard day for people. So I don't want to make that worse for people who've had a bad experience um, on Father's Day. And but the, on, the, on the flip side, you also don't want to celebrate fathers and father figures. But here's the thing. If we talk about fathering or parenting or being a father figure or father in the faith or being a son, sorry, or stepson or God's son, or any other son, as good or bad as your experiences were, nothing compares to our relationship with God the Father. Nothing. So let me explain a bit more. So if you had a terrible dad, if you had a terrible dad and today is hard for you, I really feel for you and I thank you for turning up. But even if he was brilliant, it would not have satisfied you on a soul level. You might have had a smoother run, but it would not have satisfied. Right? Even if you had an awesome dad, and today is brilliant for you, that cannot satisfy you completely. Do you see my point? It doesn't matter how terrible or epic it was, it's still lacking. Because only God and His relationship with us can... Completely to fill us at a soul and spirit level. Like to your core. Everything else will leave you left wanting. You know, you were created by God to dwell eternally in His presence. That is what you were built for. If you ever wonder, what's the purpose of my life? Well, it's to dwell in God's presence and to know Him and be known by Him. That is the first and foremost thing, to worship the one who made you and to live out of thankfulness to that. Everything else is going to be a a, a shadow, a shimmer, something but not quite the good thing. Does this make sense? See, Father's Day, I actually got set free thinking about this because it doesn't matter if my dad was good or terrible. I've got God. And yeah, there's stuff to process. Come on, let's be real here. Right, there's dad issues, stuff, there's stuff to process, but at the end of the day I'm completely satisfied in the fact that he is completely satisfied in me. It is weird to become someone who is set free from people pleasing. Right? Did anyone? I was a people pleaser in my 20s, I was a half people pleaser in my 30s, now I'm on my 40s, I don't care what you think! <laughs> And it's actually been able to be tested. I've had people come up and say horrible things to me, not from this place. And i have be like, God loves me. Who are you? Who cares? Men in this room, did that happen when you turned 40? You stopped caring about what people think and your belly got bigger, right? It's a 2 fun. <laughs> right? I don't care. Oh, God. He, he, he loves me. Let me show you some verses. See what great love is it just love or is it bigger than that? See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. As an expression of God's love that He has lavished on you. When, I don't know why, but when I picture lavish, I picture someone just <laughs> like throwing, like he's <laughs> lavishing gifts like just throwing his love at you showering you. You might picture something else, but I picture lavish, like overflow, that, that, that this God loves you so much, He's lavishing His love on you, that you shall be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are children of God. Right? Children of God. That's, that should blow your mind from now until you meet God face to face, that He will call you child. And, and, and look at all the explanation marks. He's like getting pumped as he's writing it. You know, you're children of God. You're not uh, a lesser child. You're adopted into the family and you have the same last name. You live at the residence. Child. That is good. i like have uh Psalm 103.13. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You know, this, this, I like this, because for me it's like a bit of a play on words. It's because God's so big that we fear Him in the respect sense. Like, this, this fear, it's like a fear, but it's an approachable fear, right? It's like, it's like going up to a lion, you're like, this thing could just rip me apart, but it chooses not to. Do you know what I mean? And now any analogy of God is not going to be sufficient, so don't come after me about that. There's nothing that we can do to describe God adequately. But he's saying, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who come into his presence with a sense of, like, oh, this God is mighty and wonderful. And in response to that, he shows compassion. Isn't that awesome? When he doesn't need to, he doesn't have to, but he chooses to show compassion. You remember when you were little and your dad was so big, right? And you're like, whoa, he could lift a watermelon. You know, and like, you're like, he's so huge. And you're like, but he could also smack me if he needed to. It's like that fear and respect. And you think they're massive. But then they, and you start catching up to him. You're like, oh, they're not so massive anymore. And you stand over the top of them like, yeah, look at little dad over there. Don't worry, little dad, have a little drink. You'll feel bigger. <laughs> right? That's the love God has for you. He wants to show you compassion. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. Some of us might not have grown up with much compassion in your life. I know I didn't. There was no compassion in our household. No, you know, I didn't even know what a physio was till I was 20. <laughs> because in our house, if you hurt yourself, you just sucked it up and kept going. I didn't know that you could go and get fixed. <laughs> for the type ones they had enough cash to afford it. Physio, figure that out by myself. I can be rocking up, up, there's not much compassion. Well, God's got compassion for us. He shows love to us. I love it. And my favourite verse, and I know you've heard it a million times, but God's love for you, Romans eight fifteen and sixteen, says the Spirit that you've received doesn't make you slaves. So that you live in fear again rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry abba father the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are god's children oh man i know that's the quintessential father's day verse but how can you go past it the spirit you've received okay so the way this works is that we're all born in separation from God. Right? We're born into it. It's not our fault. Adam and Eve's fault. And then we inherited it. Okay, So we're born into separation. But there's a point in everyone's life where you've got to come to a place and say, you know what, I have faith that Jesus can actually bring reconciliation between me and God. Okay, And when you do that, it says the Spirit of God comes and lives in you. Isn't that cool? Right, The Spirit of God comes and lives with you, in you, and you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to sin and brokenness and this world and the trappings of living this sign of eternity. You have been set free, so you no longer live in fear, it says. And then that same Spirit brings about your adoption, your sonship. Right? Adopted children are full children, are they not? Yeah. Right? They're not step... Oh, stepchildren are full children, too. They're not like... I don't know, give me an analogy here. What? A random blow who just comes and lives at your house. Right? I don't know. Right? They're full members of the household of God Himself. Adoption in the sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, this Abba, Father thing is super cool. Now, if you've heard this before, don't lose focus. It's very cool and we've got to grab it. This is weird because Jesus goes into Aramaic here, instead of the vernacular. It's it's, even in your New Testament, see how it's translated and there'll be a little footnote saying he spoke in Aramaic. Basically, what he's doing is saying, you've got to call your father, like as a child would call his daddy. Right? Daddy! Eh? In our house. We, I used to love, I mean, I love being a dad, it's rad. I love my kids. Being a dad's fun, right? Um, and one thing I've always liked is when I've been away for a day or a couple of days, right? And Jess has been home, getting up at 2 a.m. to feed. I mean, not now, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Cleaning up spews, some of you there now. You know, she gets up, chains the nappies, just generally getting haggard. You remember those days? <laughs> and then I'd rock up. And it'd be like, yeah, daddy! She's just been pulling the night shift doing all the hard work, but as soon as I turn up, woo, dad's home! Do you guys remember that? You know, you poke your head in just this is what dads get away with, it's the bomb. You, you poke your head in just as everyone's about to sleep. And then all of a sudden you're wrestling. Yeah, Daddy! The yeah, Daddy! That's what this is talking about. Yeah, Daddy! We used to play a game called the Pentecostals in our um, in our house, and I'd line the kids up on the end of the bed and go Roof! and they fall down on the bed and wiggle round and stuff. Half of you just was like, "Is that appropriate?" I don't know. Do it, right? And we'd, yeah, Daddy! What time does that happen? right before bed. Uh, you know, let them try chocolate before they have teeth. they gonna try it eventually. Anyway, you know, the teeth can't fall out. Yeah, daddy! Right? You guys have got your yeah, daddies, right? You know, it's that explanation when you see that and you don't care about whether he's cool or not or whether he earns a lot of money or not. or You're just like, yeah, daddy! Right? That yeah, daddy is, is what what we can do as we approach God. Now, I'm not trying to diminish His magnificence, I'm trying to, like, man, just trying to point out the access you have to God. You you can access Him, He's approachable. He wants you to come into His presence. And my, yeah, daddy thing, I'm agreed with by, like, so many of the big, weak theologians, like, John Calvin, he's like, he's a familiar daddy. You know, Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas, he's a close daddy. Spurgeon, he's like, we can approach him in our childlike faith. Um, N.T. Wright, he's a trusting daddy, trustful. You know, Jack Hayford, we're adopted into daddy. Tozer, he's a relational daddy. You know, J.I. Packer, he's the endearing daddy. And Augustine, he's the funniest, he said he's a fatherly father. Well, you wouldn't win taboo with that because you've already said the word. But he's a fatherly father. You are lavished by the love of God. This Father's Day, I can't speak into or solve what it's like to be you as a son or a father. And ladies... You're not exempt from this sermon either. You know, like I can't speak into your life and speak into what it's like to have that paternal nature or be disappointed by the children, or I can't speak into any of that because all of us have unique circumstances. All I can say is that all of it is solved by reconciliation with God the Father. And when I say solved, I don't mean it's going to be instantly better. I just mean God's gonna walk through it with you. Approachable. Yeah, daddy! That's the sort of God we serve. He's not a monster looking for a reason to crush you. He's a father looking for a reason to love you. And to lavish you. And to show his kindness to you. And for you to be reconciled to him. We're going to celebrate communion. Today is the day of feeling large because if you thought that water was small. (laughs) Okay. Symbolic, so it's okay that it's small. And Sue, you have gone the extra mile cutting these up today. They are like really well, look at them. Right. Little glass of juice, little piece of bread. Let's do this together. You're a wise brute. What is the bread? Represent And when did that come into play in the New Covenant? Let, let's do this together. So it's the last supper of what happened. Help me out. Where are they? In the upper room. Reclining in the upper room. Right? What, is that, what part of the Jewish calendar is it? Passover, Passover which symbolised what? The death of That's right. So it's Passover, which they celebrated since the Egyptian... Um, Captivity and the angel of death passed over everyone who had the blood of the lamb painted on their door. Right? Okay, so it's Passover. Jesus is reclining because they knew how to eat. I reckon we need to get rid of chairs and recline. Okay? And then the meal's already started, and then he stops, and what does he do? What does he say? Good memories here, What's the body of Christ represent? The bread? What's it? <laughs> the broken body, right? He. I mean, this is what ought to continually captivate you with Christianity. Is this same magnificent God incarnated in Jesus? In other words, came to us in Jesus and grew and lived a sinless life so he could die a perfect death. And what happens is when his body is broken on the cross, everything that you have ever done that separates from you, you from God was placed on Jesus. OK? Now, the blood, or the grape juice, he passes it down. He says, this is, you know, my well, uh, what's he say That My blood spilled for you. Poured out for you. Poured out for you. Also in reference to the pastor, and, and the blood is spilled because there's always a necessary sacrifice in order for there to be made atonement. Now, I know there's big words here, but stay with me. Atonement means reconciliation made one. Okay. The thing about this is that all of us carry sin and brokenness. <laughs> Okay, can, you, can, can we admit that? Look at the person next to you and say, you carry sin my goodness. No, you don't have to say that. <laughs> right. All of us do. This morning when I woke up and the alarm was off too early, I'm like, oh, called it a name, or come in here. And, you know, we all carry it. And we need some way to get rid of that. Okay, if we want access to God, because that stuff isn't fine in the holy presence of God, is it? Like, the Holy God can't be in the presence of all our yuckiness. And so what Jesus does on the cross is allows all of our grossness and sin and brokenness to be laid upon him. So if it's there and it's existing, what does it have to do in order to be taken away? It has to die, doesn't it? There needs to be a sacrifice. There needs to be some way of reconciliation. Otherwise, there's no justice. And so what Jesus does is allows himself to be the sacrifice to have all of that laid on him. Like all of it. And you might be like, well, how do I participate in that? You have faith in Christ that that's the good news of the gospel. You believe that that's what Jesus has done to bring you into God's presence. You're like, well, I want in on that. It's a matter of humility. It's like saying, I can't do this by myself, but I don't have to because Jesus did it on my behalf. And so just for a moment, think about the things in your life that you might think separate you from God. Maybe it's your attitudes. Maybe it's your prejudice. Maybe it's your foul mouth. Maybe it's your addictions. You know, these things we think can separate us from God. Well, the Gospel says, without Christ, they do separate us from God. With Christ, they do not separate us from God. All we do is have faith and say, "You know what? I can't do it myself, but I put all that on you, Jesus, and can you pay the price on my behalf?" And you know what He says? Yeah. And so, when Jesus did this Passover meal, it was in remember. He, he said, "Do this in remembrance of Me." Afterwards, and so, what we are going to do today is remember that. As you come up, what you're going to do is grab a piece of bread, grab a a little glass of juice and go back to your seat and do some business with God. Hold the bread and think, you know what, God? You know my heart. You know how I'm snappy. You know how I'm... You know what? You know I can't work my way into heaven. I put all that on you, Jesus. Have a a moment with Christ. Do some reconciliation. Maybe you've not made a decision to follow Christ. This would be a great time to do that. Sit there and go, you know what? I believe in you, Jesus. I have faith that what you've done is enough and I accept your sacrifice. Right? In remembrance we're going to do this. And then drink the juice remembering that the sacrifice has been fulfilled in Christ. What I don't like is when we say somebody is a Christian and then teach them to self-sacrifice in order to stay Christian. You know, you have to you know, you come to Christ and you have to do this, 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 and this. And you might choose to do this, 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 and this, but you are saved by grace alone through faith alone. So let's respond, hey, this Father's Day. Your Father, God, He wants to rip every barrier down between you and Him. He produced the vehicle for that to happen in Christ. There is nothing standing in the way of God and you accept your brokenness which is solved on the cross. Just accept the goodness of Jesus today. Okay? Even if you've been walking in it a long time, renew that, that 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 feeling, that invigoration, that 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 just that oh man, revelation that Jesus is enough and God is the only one who can satisfy. Alright. I'm sweating, so I'm gonna get down. And let's take some time to do this. Now, I won't come back up and facilitate, take the bread now, drink the juice now. I want you to take some time, either with yourself or in little groups, and just be in God's presence for a while. All right.